In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessed Holy Trinity Sunday to all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I give thanks to God for all of you. I give thanks to God that despite a global pandemic, despite whatever related or unrelated sorrows you carry with you, you are here. And for those of you listening online, how I long, how we all long to have you with us here again. For all the benefits of having an online service, it's also true that we're not made to be with one another through screens. Imagine how disappointed you'd be to get to heaven and be told that you could finally see Jesus and then you're handed a laptop. We were made to see one another face to face, to be physically present with one another, to see one another and be seen, to speak and to hear, to eat of one bread and drink of one cup. We are physical beings and need physical fellowship together. The pandemic, of course, has brought a very strange time to us here at Faith, especially for our poor visitors and new members who haven't been able to experience our congregation for what it truly is. We love our fellowship. We love our coffee time together on the patio. We love our barbecue nights, our potlucks and get-togethers, our Easter breakfast, and perhaps especially our Oktoberfest. Good news. God willing, we'll see the swift return of all of these things in the weeks and months to come. We are by nature a very friendly, welcoming, and warm congregation. But it goes even deeper than that. We are by nature, by God's doing, a family. Perhaps one of the greatest tragedies of our time is the loss of the understanding of church as family. Of course, we can see this as part of Satan's attack on our earthly family, so there's an attack on the heavenly family, and we'll see why he's so interested in destroying families in just a moment. But for the time being, we, it's enough to simply see that what has overtaken a familial understanding of the church is rather a kind of consumeristic understanding of the church. This happens when we no longer see ourselves as members of a congregation and thus as members of a concrete, holy family, but instead and rather see ourselves as individuals served by an organization. What we've seen here in America is a profound shift from a biblical understanding of church to a business model understanding of the church. We see the church primarily as an organization providing goods and services, and we are the customers. Where this really comes home for me as a pastor, and God be praised, it comes <laughs> very infrequently. But when members of our congregation are willing to leave over something that in the big picture of our lives, in the big picture of the Christian faiths, is really rather trivial, it hurts. And I know you share that pain. It hurts for me sometimes like a father being disowned by his children or a brother whose siblings are refusing to come and gather. I find myself saying in my heart and in my grief, I thought we were family. Of course, this is just an acute example of a much more broad shift that has taken place in America. 
where we no longer understand ourselves to be members of a congregation and holy family, knit together by God, bearing with one another, forgiving as we are forgiven, in it together through thick and through thin. But rather, and quite tragically, we see our relationship to the church as, much, as something much closer to a gym membership. I'll be a member so long as it suits me and my needs. I'm convinced that the primary reason we've lost our understanding of the church as family is because we've lost our understanding of the Trinity. Do we not hear the doctrine of the Trinity dismissed as too complicated to be worthwhile? A mere relic of past debates, an entirely theoretical and impractical topic with no application to our lives. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. The profound truth of the Trinity is that God is one, but that does not mean that God is an individual. God's oneness consists precisely of his being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's oneness consists of family. If you really let this sink in, it'll change the way you see just about everything. God isn't an individual. So too, the unit of creation is not an individual human being. It was not good for the man to be alone. God himself is family. The unit of creation is thus family. God is family. Man is family. And of course, tragically, what's happened is the family of man has torn itself away from the family of God, shattering itself into billions of individuals. An individual person is like a shard of broken glass, fragile and sharp, but also meaningless and useless in and of itself, having meaning and having use only when it is part of the greater whole. Individualism, consumerism, I'm the customer and the customer is always right. These are echoes of the fall, of a shattered humanity, the breaking of the human family, such that no matter how much we pile ourselves together into megacities, we still remain lonely and unknown. The profound epidemic of loneliness is precisely the loss of family in the deepest sense. And the loss of family in the deepest sense is a loss of the Trinity of God whose very essence and oneness is family. This is why he, through whom all things were made, becomes man, to be lifted up on a cross, and thus to draw all men to himself, to draw the fractured shards of glass back together into one whole, to gather the fractured human race back into one true humanity, to take useless, meaningless individuals and return them to the full glory of the family of God. The congregation is the family of God. 
of God who is in and of himself, Trinity, family. And in the congregation, we see this reality manifest. If we're unwilling to receive the actual flesh and blood, sinner and saint, church on earth, congregation as our family, we are in fact unwilling to receive God. He who loves the church only in the abstract does not in fact love the church. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Allow me to be even a bit more provocative. You have no God without also having his church. There is, properly speaking, no such thing as salvation for an individual. No such thing as you and God. There is only us and God. The church and God. There is no prayer that Christ teaches that begins, My Father who art in heaven, but only our Father who art in heaven. There is no petition, Forgive me my trespasses, but only forgive us our trespasses. It is true enough that the shepherd goes off after one sheep, but only to bring that sheep back into the fold. It's true enough that if you were the only sinner, God would send his son to save you. But it is also true that Christ does not, in fact, die for you singular, but only for you plural. That in being lifted up, he might draw not just you, but all men back to himself and back to the family of God. The entire point of Christianity, the entire point of a verse so fundamental is John 3.16, is that the Father sends his Son to make us sons, not into saved individuals, not into members of an abstract and neoplatonic church, and certainly not into religious consumers, but rather into members of the family of God, living within the local congregation as the family of God, God who is in his very essence and oneness, trinity and family, who reconstitutes his larger family precisely by the cross, the Son of God being lifted up to draw all men to himself and thus back to our God and our Father and to one another. C.S. Lewis famously wrote, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours like the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Thus with Lewis, how much more should we consider the immortals gathered around us in this congregation with whom we will share everlasting life? 
I very much understand that meetings aren't fun. Trust me. As pastors often like to quip, you don't pay me to preach the gospel, you pay me to attend the meetings. And yet, and yet, serving on church council, volunteering your time, and yes, attending meetings, as inconvenient as it may be, is truly to serve Christ and to serve his immortal family here in this place. There could not be a higher calling or honor. Precisely in the cross of Jesus, we behold his own servant leadership and his own unspeakable love for us, love that lays down his life for the life of man, love that forgives all of our lovelessness, our selfishness, and our individualism, love that forgives and thus continually reunites forgives and thus heals, forgives and thus restores to us our unity as family and as members of the family of God. The cross is the place where individuals cease to be. We are drawn to him, made one with him, and made one with our heavenly Father. But of course, not just on the cross. The very Christ whose body is given on the cross, whose blood is shed on the cross, is the very Christ who is present with us today. His body given for us that we might be one with him and with one another. His blood poured out for us that his life would be our life and our life would be one. Here at this altar then, he in fact draws all men to himself and as individuals we cease to be. We enter instead into holy communion, into holy union with one another and with he who is Trinity and unity and unity and Trinity, one family now and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.